Hey there, all you hip cats, cool kittens, you guys and dolls, you diesel-powered disciples of cool. This is the voice of Diesel Punk, and I am your host, the artist also known as the prophet of pop culture, the Diesel Punk Impossibleist, the Bamboozleist, Big Daddy Cool, John Pika. You can call me Johnny. And on this episode of the Diesel Punk Podcast, I am going to share with you my initial thoughts and review of the film Dumbo by Tim Burton, starring Colin Farrell, Eva Green, Danny DeVito, and Alan Arkin, as well as Michael Keaton. But before we do that, we need to acknowledge our sponsor, Magic Subscription Box. Magic Subscription Box delivers a magic shop to your mailbox every month. And as a magician, professional magician performing at a caliber level, I absolutely love this service. Especially for people who don't have a magic shop near them to go and look and see. This is a great way to try out something new to learn magic because it comes with a uh, video tutorial for each of the tricks in the box and it's worth between 50 to 60 dollars worth of magic every month but you can get it for 30 bucks and if you use my promo code BDC magic at the website magicsubscriptionbox.com you take 50 percent off your first month so now it's only 15 bucks to try it out magicsubscriptionbox.com promo code BDC magic check it out speaking of sponsors we want you to check out our patreon patreon.com slash big daddy cool shows drop a tip in the digital tip jar your contribution of a dollar or two dollars a month really go a long way to helping produce not only this podcast but our live shows as well and you provide support for us to go to conventions, to present panels, to provide entertainment for festivals and Comic-Cons, and to spread the diesel punk gospel. Can you dig that? Can I get a witness from the congregation? Testify, my brother. So um, anyway, on this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about the movie Dumbo. Dumbo is the brand new offering from Marvel, not Marvel, <laughs> I'm so used to talking about Marvel Studios, it's the brand new offering from Walt Disney Pictures, and it is a live action adaptation of the animated classic, directed by Tim Burton with an original score by Danny Elfman, it stars Michael Keaton as uh, Mr. Vanderveer, uh, Danny DeVito as uh, Maxwell Menachi or Maximilian Menachi of the Menachi Brother Circus. Uh, stars Colin Farrell as Holt and Eva Green as Colette. And uh, great, great appearance by Alan Arkin as um, a uh, J.P. Morgan archetype. I want to say they called him J.F. and uh, he was a he was a banker who was going to bankroll uh, Vanderveer's Dreamland. And um, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. This movie is 
set in a nebulous time period. We get the idea that it might be right after World War I, but some of the technology and some of the uh, imagery, some of the artwork suggests that it might be after World War II, but you're not really sure. You get this sense that it could be any time in retro American history. Now, we know it is taking place in America because they visit, uh, you know, St. Louis and Joplin, Missouri, and uh, they talk about going to Arkansas. And Tim Burton has done another masterful job of creating this any time period. You know it's retro America, but you don't know when. It could be any time during the jazz age, the diesel era. And the the sets, the costumes, the props, the uh, vehicles, they are all, you know, diesel goodness, diesel era, jazz age style. So it fulfills the first requirement of diesel punk. It has the visual aesthetics and the style of the era. Check one. And of course, the story is about a a baby elephant that is born in captivity to the Menachi Circus. Uh, the mother is called Jumbo. No surprise there that uh, they use the name Jumbo. When the movie was originally made, it wasn't that long after, you know, P.T. Barnum's heyday. And P.T. Barnum had bought an elephant and named it Jumbo and marched it down the streets of New York City. And so the Dumbo story borrows that name. So Jumbo is this brand new elephant that Maximilian Menachi has uh, bought for the circus. And she's pregnant. And he knows that, and they're going to have one of the first baby elephants born in captivity, the first baby elephant born to his circus. And he's excited to make a big deal out of it. And uh, Menachi is played by Danny DeVito, uh, who is great in this kind of role. You may remember he played kind of that ringmaster carnival barker in Big Fish, and he reprises a very similar role in this movie. He is the uh, owner of the circus. He is the ringmaster and um, the promoter. He is the P.T. Barnum of this story. Well, actually, I guess he's not the P.T. Barnum. He's the P.T. Barnum of his circus. But we meet a more P.T. Barnum-style character in the character of uh, Vanderveer, played by Michael Keaton. But um, anyway, the, 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 the elephant is going to have a baby. The baby is born, Jumbo Jr., except, and if you've not seen the original Dumbo, this might come as a surprise to you. But uh, for those of us who grew up, uh, you know, in the, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, we've seen this animated feature over and over. It's, you know, ingrained in our pop culture consciousness. But there might be some kids who have never seen it before, so it came as a shock. Dumbo is born with these enormous ears. And we find out very shortly after he's born 
that the ears allow him to fly and they're like wings and so you have a flying elephant so right away we have this element of you know impossible biological science fiction check mark 2 for diesel punk tenets it's got an element of science fiction or fantasy even if an elephant had the ear span that jumbo has it would be impossible aerodynamically for the for the animal to fly but we're talking fantasy here and so we break the rules of common science and it becomes science fiction it becomes fantasy and it's the other check mark for diesel punk along the way you know dumbo makes his his big debut uh flies by accident and as you watch he has to hold a feather to fly in his trunk and um it gets the attention of Mr. Vanderveer, who has this huge circus at Coney Island called Dreamland, and um, it is based off the, you know, historical Dreamland. Except it is far, far more expansive. It's more like P.T. Barnum meets Walt Disney, and he he buys the Menachee Circus, makes Maximilian Menachee his partner one of the vice presidents, all of that just to get the flying elephant. And uh, Vanderveer has uh, his star, the queen of the heavens, Colette. She's an aerialist, and they put together this idea that she is going to ride Dumbo and fly through the air. And... The story is pretty straightforward, as I've told it. There aren't a lot of twists and turns. You know, Michael Keaton plays this great character who you instantly like but don't trust. Uh, his style was phenomenal. I, I have a new diesel punk fashion hero. Uh, all of the costumes were just spectacular. Um even from the very mundane circus hands, you know the 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 roustabouts, the the animal trainers, you know the the lowest of the low, dirty down and dirty workers, all the way up to the fantastic costumes of the circus performers in Dreamland. You you had this fusion of of diesel era industrialism like something out of metropolis mixed with you know that pt barnum circus style almost um a cirque du soleil kind of thing as if cirque du soleil were set in the jazz age the diesel era the the aesthetics on this thing were amazing and Again, I can't rave enough about Tim Burton's vision and his direction. This is a movie that really deserves a coffee table book, The Art of Dumbo. There's just so much to take in and so much to enjoy. It is literally a visual feast for the eyes. But as you might imagine, just from the story that I've described, Vanderveer is not to be trusted. 
look, he just wants to make a buck. Turns out, previously, he had bought Jumbo, and she's in the uh, Hall of Nightmares, uh, painted up like Kali, the, the goddess of death and destruction from India. Dumbo and Jumbo are reunited. Mother doesn't want to leave son. Stampedes Dreamland. Uh, no, no, no. That's why she got sent away. She stampeded the Medici Circus to begin with. She got sent away. Vanderveer bought her, put her in his attraction. Um, then he, he buys Dumbo. They get reunited. And it's obvious that having mom around is a distraction for Dumbo. He can't perform. And so Vanderveer says, get rid of her. Tells his lackey, you know, get rid of her. And of course, he his lackey wears these elephant skin boots. And Vanderveer says, get yourself a new pair of boots. So you know what he means. You know, he's going to 86 the elephant. Well... Colette has turned cold to Vanderveer. She's fallen in love with Dumbo and the kids and Holt. And as you might imagine, they all conspire together to break break Jumbo free, help her escape, and and Dumbo to escape. And in the process, the entire big top at Dreamland comes crashing down in a raging inferno. And you've really got this this thing where the Menachi Circus performers were hired on at Dreamland, but they were never actually used. They were let go just a couple of days later. And what you have is this ragtag band of people fighting against this authoritarian tyrannical figure who is selfish and driven by greed. And I, I will give that the next check mark for the punk element of diesel punk. It it is the punk and diesel punk is anytime you have a pushback, a fight against authoritarianism or tyranny. Uh, and in this case, it's tyranny of greed. You know, this character Vanderveer has put his thumb down on these people who all they want to do is make a living performing in the circus and, and bringing joy to an audience. And he's crushing that, and he is using his power and his wealth to exert his will. And so they are fighting against him to free Jumbo and Dumbo, and therein lies the punk. So check mark three. You've got all three tenets of diesel punk. Now, what flavor of diesel punk is this? I went into this movie really hoping to find another Picasian classic. Picasian diesel punk is my diesel punk. It is the bright, the shiny, the... Uh, you know, very colorful, usually the musicals. So you think, you know, Dick Tracy, think Chicago, think Mary Poppins, Returns. That's Picasian. Then you've got Picraftian and Autisian diesel punk. Picraftian is the post-apocalyptic, the, you know, the, the, uh, 
the post-apocalyptic, the, the uh, why can't I never think of the word, the, uh, the um, dystopian, dystopian, thank you. I know all of you are shouting at your your phone or your, your, your computer going, it's dystopian, Johnny. Post-apocalyptic, dystopian, diesel punk, like Dark City, I think Sucker Punch fits that genre. Um, and then you have the Autisian diesel punk, which is, uh, you know, the more hopeful, heroic diesel punk, Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow, Captain America, Wonder Woman, uh, the um, Fantastic Beasts, Where to Find Them. I would call that Autisian diesel punk because it always ends in a hopeful way. Now, this movie. I thought would be a musical because the original was a musical, right? Um, but it wasn't. It had an original score by Danny Elfman, which actually worked out perfectly. It, it fit the visual aesthetics perfectly. You know, um, Tim Burton and and uh, Tim Burton and Danny Elfman have this great partnership, and and they really mesh well. And so the score really worked great. The only the only song from the original was Baby Mine, which was uh, performed by the troupe of circus performers, uh, sung by the uh, the character who was the mermaid. And if you've not heard that song, oh, it's so sweet. Baby Mine, Don't You Cry. I love that song. I, I've been singing it all weekend. And um, really beautiful version of it, ukulele. Um, a flute and a squeeze box, really pretty, and um, it's the only song from the original though that makes it. So, as you analyze the visual aesthetics, the the tone, and whatnot, it really becomes more clear that this is an Autisian diesel punk movie. It has all of the elements. Uh, it does have a lot of the bright, shiny and colorful elements in the circus. But overall, it's it's very, uh, very much in line with what we've seen from like, uh, maybe more like a Boardwalk Empire or Carnival color palette. Think, think uh, Boardwalk Empire meets Big Fish, kind of that color palette and that style. Um, and And so it ends, though, on a very hopeful note, with Jumbo and Dumbo being returned to uh, Africa, East Asia, and um, reuniting with this this huge herd, and Dumbo flying out over the waterfall and over the rest of the elephants, and they all herald his arrival like a king. And so it has this very hopeful ending to it. And so... When you analyze all of those elements, it's very clear that this is an Autisian diesel punk movie. And, you know, I went into this really hoping for a new Picasian diesel punk classic, really. I really, really wanted it to be that. And it, and it wasn't. Now, from a movie standpoint, this was an enjoyable film. It was very straightforward. There was nothing that was, like, out of left field. Everything was very uh very predictable but in a in a good way in a familiar way a way that you know like I've described before like wrapping yourself up in an old blanket that makes you feel good that's that's kind of how this movie felt um 
Was it perfect? No. Did it knock my socks off? No. It it didn't blow me away. But I enjoyed it. And I think everyone who's hearing this will enjoy it. It is a very enjoyable, worthwhile movie to see. It passed my bathroom test. I have the world's smallest bladder, and so if I can sit through an entire movie and it capture my attention and I don't have to use the restroom, that's a good movie. And not all diesel punk movies have done that. Um, when I went and saw Darkest Hour, which wasn't a, it was a diesel period movie, but you know everyone raved about Darkest Hour. I had to use the restroom twice. When I went and saw Overlord, I, and that is a diesel punk movie, diesel punk Nazi zombie movie, I had to use the restroom at least once during that. Um, so, you know, it, it passed Pika's bathroom test, which is a huge hurdle for movies to pass. And the visuals on this movie were alone were enough to hold my rapt attention. Again, very predictable, but but it was good. It was really, really good. Not great, but really good. And I want to recommend it as a as a great example of Autisian Diesel Punk. Go see it. Enjoy it. Let me know what you think about it. I would love to hear your thoughts. You can shoot me an email directly at BigDaddyCool at BigDaddyCoolShows.com. Let me know your feedback or post it on our Facebook page for the Diesel Punk Podcast or on my personal Facebook page at John Pica, the Bamboozleist. Uh, let us know what you think uh, about my analysis of Dumbo. And it occurs to me that I haven't done a top five Diesel Punk movie list uh, for two years. So the next episode I do, I'm going to go through what I consider now a revised top five essential diesel punk movies. And we'll do that next time on the diesel punk podcast, diesel punk in pop culture, the voice of diesel punk. And, um, that'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, send me your recommendations for movies that you think should be the quintessential top five diesel punk movies. Now I want to take up an issue Something that's grinding my gears. And that is this slogan that is going around the diesel punk community. Um, quote, vintage values. No, 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 I'm sorry. Quote, vintage fashion, comma, but not vintage values, unquote. And I got to say, this really rubs me the wrong way. Because basically what this slogan, and, and there are some memes starting to pop up, what this is saying is that, yes, we like vintage fashion and music and style, but we don't like the values and the morals, the ethics of years gone by. And look, I get that it's an effort by some people to say, hey, we, we dress in 1940s style, but we don't support segregation or Nazism. And nobody in the diesel punk community supports those things. But, you know, vintage values, 
does not mean that you support segregation or Nazism. Vintage values means that you support the idea of rugged individualism, of, you know, uh, saving responsibility, accepting consequences, you know, patriotism, really good things, community, you know, helping each other out, uh, you know, giving someone a hand up and not a hand out. And basically, you know, what this meme is saying is that, you know, yeah, we like vintage style, but we have contemporary ethics and morals. And let me just say this. Contemporary ethics and morals are really no ethics and no morals. Because the millennial generation has decided that, you know, that that secular humanism, that relative humanism is really how we should live and that, you know, there is no afterlife, there is no need to be moral or ethical. What's ethical to me, what's moral to me is for me, what's moral for you is for you, and don't tell me how to live my life, and, and you know, we're going to support uh, every fringe uh, element of society, and unfortunately, I'm going to say this, and this is going to rub some of you the wrong way, but I want you to hear me out. Moral, uh, contemporary morals, contemporary ethics, contemporary values really is code word for saying we support a progressive political agenda, a liberal agenda of free college, free health care, uh, gender fluidity, you know, uh, hashtag me too, you know, and let me, let me just say this. If you support those things, okay, whatever. But those those are not values that lead to uh, lead to success in a community or a a nation. All of those are values that are espoused by the left wing of the political spectrum to basically promote socialism. And before you say socialism is great, socialism always leads to communism. Socialism always leads to fascism. Socialism is the first step towards totalitarianism, to authoritarianism, this tyranny of a hive mind, the tyranny of a hive social construct, where everybody acts alike, dresses alike, has equal outcome, and and there there are no achievers, there are no losers, everyone is equal in their mediocrity. And I'm sorry, but that is not the kind of contemporary values I want. And if anything, diesel punks reject that idea of the authoritarian hive mind. Because the only way to enforce that hive mind is to control the thoughts and behavior of other people. And that's really what that progressive leftist agenda is all about. It is about controlling people. And the diesel punk in me rejects that. I reject that whole cloth. I lean libertarian and, you know, I say, you know, you can't legislate morality. You can't legislate morality on either spectrum. 
And you can't legislate thought and behavior. You can't control other people. It's never worked for any society in the history of the world. It always ends in disaster. It always ends in poverty. It always ends in death, murder, and genocide. Every single time it's been tried, it ends that way. And so the diesel punk in me rejects that. I reject authoritarianism. If you say that we decide, we as a a collective decide what you can and can't say and do, what you can and can't think, how you can and can't dress, who gets to win and lose, we decide what's right and wrong for you, I say no way. No way. So vintage fashion, not vintage values, is a completely ridiculous slogan. It is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard because diesel punks by nature embrace not just vintage fashion but vintage values because embracing vintage values is the very essence of what being a diesel punk is. It is a rejection of contemporary culture. It is a rejection of the status quo. It is a rejection of what the societal norms say we should and shouldn't be. And if you are not hip to that definition of punk, then maybe you're not a diesel punk. Maybe you're just a vintage fashion lover. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. But don't tell me, don't tell me how to, how to express my diesel punk. Don't tell me that when I reject contemporary culture, contemporary fashion, I refuse to wear the national uniform of the t-shirt, cargo shorts, and flip-flops. I refuse. I'm not going to do it. And when you tell me what I can and can't do, how I can and can't act, what I can and can't think, and that my vintage values are invalid, well, I'm going to have to destroy you. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to fight tooth and nail against you. I'm going to fight to preserve my lifestyle choices and the way that I want to express my life and my love of vintage. And look, diesel punk isn't just about loving vintage things. To be diesel punk, yes, you got to have the style and aesthetics of the diesel era. So vintage style is a huge part. But you've also got to have that punk element. And, you know, for me... And most people would now agree, Mr. Piecraft agrees, Eric Fisk agrees, you got to have some element of science fiction and fantasy, alt history. So, for those of you who say vintage fashion but not vintage values, maybe what you're really trying to get at is world building, creating your own story where... Maybe the values of the past were different. And that's part of the the alt-history part of the diesel punk tenets. You know, it's got to have 
the style and aesthetics, the decadence. It's got to have some element of either science fiction, fantasy, or alt history, something that turns history on its side. And maybe that's your element, you know, rewriting your own personal history. But be wary. It's a dangerous thing to try to erase the darker elements of our history. That's one of the things that diesel punks have always done. We don't endorse, but we acknowledge. We acknowledge segregation. We acknowledge, uh, you know, the rise of Nazism and fascism and, you know, uh, Stalinism. We, we, don't, we don't pretend those didn't happen, and we don't want to rewrite the history books like some of the progressives in America want to do. We don't want to tear down statues that offend us and hurt our sensibilities. We want to point to that and say, never forget. Never forget. This is what we fight against. This is why we are diesel punks. That was authoritarianism then. You're promoting a new style of authoritarianism today. We reject them both. So that's just my rant on that saying. Vintage fashion, but not vintage values. How about? I googled my symptoms. Turns out, I'm diesel punk. That's all for me this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, visit our sponsor, magicsubscriptionbox.com. Use my promo code BDCMAGIC. Get 50% off your first month. Drop a tip in our digital tip jar at patreon.com slash bigdaddycoolshows. And check out my book, Tales from the Flipside, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, audible.com, wherever you consume your your reading material, your audiobooks, and volume two is on the way. I promise you it is. You can check out more about my live shows at my website, bigdaddycoolshows.com. And while you're surfing the web, make sure you jump over to our partner site at thefedorachronicles.com. Eric Fisk does an amazing job there. And uh, you can read his blog posts, my blog posts, post blog posts hear episodes of this show and the fedora chronicles radio show we work in a partnership and uh, eric is a phenomenal partner so check out fedorachronicles.com you can listen to more phenomenal episodes of the diesel punk podcast on itunes stitcher spotify and of course right at our website dieselpunkpodcast.com well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this episode. So I am going to sign off. And until the next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>